1: on 93.7 The Ticket and ticketfm.com
2: Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Greatly appreciate you hanging out with us on a Wednesday. Every now and then we get these special Wednesdays where the first hour of old school, we get a special guest. And then we'll go through and we'll have another special guest in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll do that. Jay Foreman is going to call in here in a bit, and we'll add him to the conversation. But we're live at Tanner's Bar and Grill 30, Team Yankee Hill. will be here till 6 o'clock. Uh, today's food specials, the Boogamania, uh, the $8.99 half-pound burger with fries, $5.20 ounce Blue Moon Drafts. Uh, we do want to thank you for your, in advance for your contribution to the show, 42464 5685 starter, Heyman, text line, Honda League and hotline. Uh, the Sarder Heyman Live video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter Live, so you can see what's going greatly appreciated. Old School sponsored by the Mercado, certified P at 84th and have a lot. But let's bring in our special guest for these Wednesdays. Let's bring in Husker Online, Sean Callahan. Sean, what's happening? Loving man? these Wednesdays, DP. This is good stuff. And, you, you know, I, I appreciate you coming in and offering yourself to it. Because not everybody – I mean, look, Jay
1: Foreman's a force of nature. We understand that.
2: Right, that every day that Jay comes in, and depending on depending on his his velocity and f- these have been w-
1: Wednesday sparring fights with Jay Foreman.
2: <laughs> see, I never see. This is what's funny. I like somebody asked me that, and they said, "Well, how do you deal with it?" We're just sharing opinions and, and, and information. I never take it personal. Oh, I, take, I don't. Like, yeah. I never like. This is the barbershop. Every barbershop, I we've love Jay. Been, right, every barbershop we've been in, he's got stuff to add. You have stuff to add. I love it when you guys get together and go through your thing, but. Uh, today, I, I'm sitting here in a bye week trying to figure out what is story number one for the bye week for this Husker football team?
1: Whew. Get healthy um, is probably where you start. We kind of already now know Nick Henrich is out for the season. That was announced by Trev Alberts last night on the radio show in so many words. Um, said that he's a t- it's a tough injury blow and Nick will still lead this team if he can't play even. So that's a big deal. Um, recruiting is big this week. Uh, Mickey will be out on the road Thursday in Atlanta to see Barry Jackson. And then on Friday, he's going out to Arizona. He'll catch up with Bobby Newcomb, former Husker quarterback, who's the head coach of Castile, who's got a son. Nebraska's offered. And then they will swing by Chandler, and there's a quarterback that plays for Chandler. <laughs> named Who would that be? I don't Dylan know. Dylan Raiola. Uh, uh, that dude. But they'll stop by some of those places. And then Malachi Coleman um, will make his announcement Saturday at 5 o'clock at Lincoln East high school. And I'll be at, at that as well. So um, recruiting will be big this weekend. They've only practiced twice. You know, there's not, they're limited because of the week zero deal. They can't have a full week of practice because you get two bye weeks and you can only really practice one week over the total of two weeks on these two bye weeks.
2: What is your expectation on the Malachi Coleman situation?
1: I would just, I would be really, really surprised if he's not committing to Nebraska. He's been to all four home games Um, He's taken his official. The official went really well. Um, He did not go on any other trips. Um, You did not see him on social media really, you know, making noise for other schools. A lot of times you might see a guy, um, you know, tweet about other teams, other schools. It it just feels like it's Nebraska right now. And uh, I could be wrong, but I, I, I just think all the things, all the clues point to the huskers at this point what
2: is it about nebraska currently that exists that makes that an easy decision for malachi
1: mickey joseph (laughs) right i think that's where you start um the relationship that he has with malachi and his family um i I think there's no one that has anything close to that from what i can tell in the recruiting process with him and, and the job that he's done and he made malachi a priority the minute he got to lincoln this past year um, so Mickey's where you start, but obviously location, proximity to family. I mean, he's a Lincoln kid. Like that's
2: the big that, – that is a big deal, right? That sometimes in this space the family is a much bigger deal than the process
1: itself. Like if you are if you're going to go play at like Oregon or even Michigan, it'd be really hard uh, for your family to get to these games. I mean, has anyone looked at what airfare costs these days to travel? It's not cheap. It's really, really hard to do. And then the time away – um, Oklahoma, you can drive to. That's six hours. I mean, that, that, that would have been doable, or that is doable. And I think they're one of the teams he's considering, and he's he's taken some trips, an unofficial visit there. But um, yeah, the Mickey Joseph factor, the location factor, um, there, there's a lot of those things I think that just make a lot of sense from Alki Coleman.
2: Great forward thinking in this thing that when Mickey goes on the road, he has a chance to restamp the brand, right? What is in your mind, what is Mickey's brand here with Nebraska?
1: He has just a presence about himself and energy that when he walks in somewhere, you know, you, you know Mickey Joseph and he you know he works the room and um we saw it here in this same place in Tanner's bar in July. Um he was in here and so was the head coach and Scott was pretty reserved, sat back. Mickey was walking around, talking to people. I mean, he just has a way about himself in a room um, that creates a presence and, and a, a personality that creates a presence, all in a good way. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've ever actually heard anybody say a negative word about Mickey um, with the way he carries himself, and he's very open and honest um, with kids. He wants to help guys. I mean, he, we, we read the tragic story about Xavier Betts this week um, getting arrested for um, a warrant. Um, for something that happened in Sioux City. And, you know, Mickey was still communicating, I know, with Xavier Betts and trying to and working with his kid even after he had left the program, and they didn't want him to leave the program. So he's got a caring interest for his players too, and he shows that by just his dialogue with them.
2: What is the responsibility of people like us to tell absolute truth versus what's the convenient truth? How do we deal with that? How do you deal with it? Cuz I know I ha- I waver sometimes and try to figure out okay, how to how do where's the line for the stuff we know versus the stuff that we should share?
1: Well, and it's it's dicey because there's a lot of rumors that get into this Husker echo chamber Ooh-wee. of things that don't even end up being true. Bruh, and say that. You know, say there was that. one last week where we thought a certain coach was going to retire. Yeah, like <laughs> right like, I mean <laughs> and he's we're on Wednesday now, and there's nothing. I mean, And, and it gets to the point where the small-town barbershop rumor gets around to the point where you start to believe it, and that's the downfall. There's almost a bigger interest in the Palace drama than there is with the actual football games. Is
2: that because you're not winning? Do you think that if if, if the program was winning, there'd be less of the rumor mill, rumor-mongering?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I just think... There's a craving of power when people have inside information in Nebraska football in the state. But and, do they have inside information? Well, pe- that's a thing. I mean,
2: like they think they have inside they information because and, somebody told them the thing. There's the difference in, in, in our responsibility because we have accountability to what we say. Like, if you said something two years ago, somebody will come up and go, hey, Sean, I remember when you said this thing two or years you ago. you tweeted
1: it and they screenshot it right back.
2: Right, right. Whereas the people that are often spreading these rumors have zero accountability. And oftentimes, look, they're not credible anyway. Anybody that's not using their name to spread information, I kind of have issue with anyway. Like, if you're a Husker account and you simply don't put a, a, a byline on it, I don't have issue with it. How frustrated do you get in having to deal with that that rumor stuff?
1: It's tough. I mean, there are a lot of bad things that were said about Scott Frost that I don't believe were true at all. And and people wanted us to stamp it as truth. And I go, I'm not going to get involved in this because I, 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 A, can't confirm it. B, from what I know, it's not true. And, you know, did he Scott Frost didn't win very many games in Nebraska. He had a rough go of things. Right. And things behind the scenes and recruiting and other things didn't go well. Development hasn't gone well. When you start going at a person's character and their personal life, and you know that that that's the part I have a real problem with, and and that was hard um, just to to see a person's character be attacked at the level it was um, because he didn't win football games and it didn't go very well.
2: Yeah, I mean that speaks to the loyalty of the fan base, and I have to ask that question often of people: Why would you say that you love Husker football and then work in your own personal time to lower the standard for it?
1: Now remember this is a fan base that had a petition in the seventies to fire Tom Osborne and they went around and and Tom Osborne twice in his coaching career, thought he was going to get fired in the early seventies. I think they beat Texas tech in a bowl game and you know, he thought he was going to get fired if they lost that game. Tom Osborne applied or interviewed for the Colorado job. He went out to Boulder interviewed and didn't end up taking it. And then obviously in '90. One or ninety-two. Um, they had lost to Georgia Tech in the Citrus Bowl. Georgia Tech won the national title that year. It was a really good team, but Nebraska lost like something like seven straight bowl games in a row. They were losing all the significant games against Colorado, Oklahoma. You know the games that really mattered on the schedule, and then they would lose the bowl game. And at that point, Osborne actually told the staff it might be smart for you to start looking around at options. And then they made the switch to the four-three defense. And the rest is history. They they create they recruited corners that could cover man-to-man and islands. They recruited Russians that could get to quarterbacks. And they took safeties and made them linebackers. And they just made their defenses faster and better. And that was their answer of how to defend Florida State and Miami when they used to have, like, walk-ons trying to cover Michael Irvin. In-
2: but doesn't that seem like the, the game plan now? Like, isn't that the easiest transition ever? is to go back to what worked in the simplest of terms because it would work now.
1: The hardest thing now, though, is everybody's got the same wallet. Back in the day, there were only about 10 teams that had the wallet size of Nebraska. And Well, there's I,
2: only like 15 now. No, yeah. Nebraska's true, in an elite space
1: when it comes to money. I think the money to the Big Ten in general allows everybody to pay their coach $4 million or more in the conference, and that's going to keep going up.
2: But. For, But shouldn't Nebraska, through all of its resource access and booster fan base, shouldn't Nebraska be at the top? If the money – and I'll say this, and people will get wrinkled the nose, but if the money that's actually put in play actually reaches the programs and the levels it's supposed to, then they can get the personnel they need.
1: Yeah, and and that's the battle because it it shouldn't just be about the money. I mean, you've got to put a good infrastructure – because we've seen it be about the money on the last two Mm -hmm. hires of basketball and football Mm -hmm. at the times of those hires – they were you know and, and now the market's gone up that much more but the Hoiberg hire and the frost hire the salaries those two guys made were top of the the chain and you know it, it hasn't produced the wins like we thought so it's not just about finding a guy and paying him a lot of money and hoping paying somebody a lot of money is going to fix all the problems you got to pay a guy a lot of money that you know can do it right and as we learned in over 5 years it just didn't work with Scott Frost and and that's the challenge that Trev faces now is who am I going to find out there that I'm going to pay between 6 and $9 million a year probably that is going to get this right? And there's a lot of guys that could get it right, but who's the guy that's going to get it right? Well, but
2: how much of this, in the especially with the development and getting the right assistance in place, right, that part's been missed. Getting the right assistance and then having every resource be in that roster. Like, uh, look, I, I, I've been around programs all over the country. I can identify when money that's being put in play doesn't reach – it doesn't land. It doesn't land. So choosing the right recruiting fan bases to use and then recruiting to your program and not getting caught up in somebody's nephew getting a spot, somebody's, somebody's you know niece getting a spot. Nebraska has no reason to fail at recruiting and getting people to the link in Nebraska.
1: Well, no, and the key is getting them here. If they get a guy here – for an experience a weekend a visit they have a very good chance to land them and in recruiting in general right now the numbers have gone down like you know we we were used to seeing a lot of high school guys now with the transfer portal um you're you're taking probably five less high school kids a year i mean and so you i think the model is you you want to make sure you get a lot of local regional guys that are committed to your program by just regional area where they live and, and you're not worried about those guys ever leaving where, you know, if you recruit through, I call it handler recruiting. Mm-hmm. If you contact these, these big cities have handlers, guys that are trainers or uncles that mm-hmm. manage the recruits. Mm-hmm. And if you do handler recruiting and you get guys that on paper look good and they work with a handler, you know, a lot of times those guys have zero commitment to your program and, and we've seen some of those kids come here and they don't work out, they leave. And
2: do, then, do, you think, do you think that handlers don't exist with the local market? They do because that's those are people that are connected to the program before the young man becomes eligible for the
1: program. Handler recruiting though is like where there's a guy in a major market, Miami or Atlanta, and you know he's you deal with this guy and that guy brings the kids up to your camp and brings them up and here and there. And that's that's handler recruiting where you know there's a certain guy that you know you'll see like a group of all of a sudden will be at a camp and. 20 kids from chicago come up with some guy mm-hmm. and, and he's the handler but for,
2: there's a way in the big 10 conference for those handlers to be handled like we can look at michigan we can look at illinois we can look at those programs that are above nebraska and there is a way to handle those players and handlers
1: and what if their kids Though they they might have some top guys in their group of guys they help mm-hmm. but those, are they letting those guys go to Nebraska? And is Nebraska getting the bottom guys of their, their but, group?
2: But we would take the bottom guys if we have some agreement of what they're going to be required to do when they get here.
1: Yeah, and the well, and they have to earn it. And I think that's the hardest thing. There's a lot of talented guys like Marcus Fleming. You know, mm-hmm. he was talented enough to go for 90 yards receiving with basically not ever practicing. Right and then didn't want to practice the next week for Iowa and sit out the whole week and travel and play, and they said you can't do that.
2: Well, that's your advanced group. That's the people who are in charge of recruiting who have to do the extra diligence. Listen, find a group of of high school quarterback coaches and AAU coaches and travel ball baseball coaches and AAU uh, basketball coaches who can tell you the real stuff behind the young person. You can't just fly over and recruit. And say I'm disconnected from it, so I didn't know that he. And had the these challenge is,
1: very few people are going to tell you the truth. Like, it's hard to find somebody that will do that for you. Like, if you're talking, I mean, because all these people have the their own interests and they want those kids to go on somewhere too.
2: I've never, I've probably been in on a thousand recruiting visits and conversations with. Either people who were my players or friends of family, that sort of thing, where universities came in and said, D P, sit in on this and then let us know what red flags pop up. And the question is always, Do I have your permission to tell you the truth? Like that's the first thing in the room. So that we don't ever deal with okay, me as a coach, I'm never gonna say, you know what, Jake Sorensen's a power five point guard. You know why? Because when he gets there and craps the bed, they're gonna go, D P, that's your fault. Like you said this and I'm responsible for the quarter of a million dollars they assigned to him. The best way for me to get fired as a scout and as a, as a recruiter is to give away several pockets of quarter of a million dollars. Like, that's the easy way to do it. We're talking to Sean Callahan a Husker Online. I think it's fascinating because the, the, the perception of recruiting, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, and the major sports. But volleyball has figured it out.
1: You know what's interesting about volleyball recruiting? Um, the girls do not – tout their offers it's really under wraps you know I went to high school with the owners of the premier club in Omaha that's the top club for volleyball in the state right now one of the top in the country and I was talking to Michelle Lund who went to school with me and she said it's not like football like when a girl gets an offer they don't tweet blessed to receive an offer from this school or that school right a lot of it's kept under wraps and, and it's taboo to like share your offers publicly." Now, Britt Prince from Elkhorn South is one of the few um, – she's a basketball player. But you don't, in general, you don't even see uh, women's basketball recruits share their offers. It, it's a totally different game with football and the men's sports than it is with volleyball and women's basketball.
2: I think it's fascinating in that the socioeconomic side of this thing jumps into volleyball. Volleyball is a very elite space to, 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 to play in, be recruited in, to advance in, and then to move along and play in a professional level. But I like the idea that there is a way for this to be done and not sell and co-sign the social media involvement of it. Like that to me is it's all
1: club run.
2: Right. Like just have it all in place and go, you know what, we expect access. We expect the opportunities. We expect the the, the the offers. So then how we handle it and then how, what we accept from the players who say, look, we can tell a 16, 17-year-old kid, you don't need to tell everybody everything. That would be an easy way, and it seems that John Cook has found a, a wonderful vacuum to and work. This, in. this is
1: a whole nother two hour show, <laughs> um, but it's the gratification that people want when they get an offer. You know, they they want they want people to like it and engage it, mm-hmm. and you know, give them a leg up over the other guy. That hey, I got offered by them, he didn't.
2: I mean, <laughs> it, it there's so much ego in it. Like, there's so much ego, in it. but like I said, I, I find great respect. For the fact that John Cook has found a way to to, to find the number ones, uh, Paul Klemke has also done that. That that in an elite program in the sport, he's figured out how to recruit the best players and get them on campus. The problem is Cook
1: them. has too many of them now. I mean, we're at the point where Akana and Kayla Caffey had to leave.
2: What a, what a really tough situation. Should we send him flowers?
1: And <laughs> <In> they're <a> still <laughs> ranked number three. Somebody, but Texas is ranked flowers? number one or two, right? With with his old players. I mean. In, god i hope the ncaa allows that to like set up somehow in a final four or matchup in omaha that would be probably the highest rated women's volleyball game in history if nebraska can play texas in the final four wow
2: even more so than them in a rematch against wisconsin um
1: i think texas will draw numbers i mean they 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 have a high rating for volleyball and I just think, yeah, Nebraska's gonna. Their people here, our people here, are gonna watch.
2: Have you? Have what are your thoughts on them playing at PBA for a game or two?
1: Um, they've talked about it now. The issue is the Kohl Center where Wisconsin played is bigger, so.
2: But they could add some standing room around. They could add some. Can
1: they though? I, I don't. That's what I'm asking because I, I don't. I don't know think that so. answer. I don't so, know that answer. Somebody that is listening might chime in on this but i if i remember right when the arena was built it had to be under 16,000 mm-hmm. in order to qualify for some special tax incentives and other things okay and so the highest crowd we've ever seen at the arena is a men's basketball crowd and they announced it at like 15997 and it was when they played Wisconsin on the no-sit Sunday game mm-hmm. um so that arena is capped at like 16 now the omaha arena where Creighton plays for basketball um, is capped at, like, 18-something. Um, what
2: was the number this year, Oma, uh, Nebraska uh, and Creighton?
1: I, did they did they cap 18,000? I don't they... know if they did. Okay. Because um, they, they can figure – it was 16 – Wisconsin was, like, 18-something, right? Or did they get – they got like, – Yeah, so
2: we know – I mean, what, what, that number – there is a way for that number to be in Nebraska. And I think it would be interesting.
1: I, I don't out. think you can play a game outside, though. Like – that volleyball is light, yeah. and, and it's yeah. windy in Nebraska. Yeah, so I don't I don't know how you could serve a ball with wind. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, just, I that would be a like I don't know what team would agree to play Nebraska in a real game where you could have wind elements involved.
2: <laughs> I just you know this is a fan base, and they're like, come on, we want the record. Like we want the record.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what you would do because it's got to be in Nebraska. I mean, you, you could go down to Kansas City and play at the Sprint Center. Um, you know, somewhere like that and, and fill it up down. But that, you'd want it to be here yeah. on our soil.
2: Yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Sean Callahan, Husker Online, joins us here. We're live at Tanner's Barn and Grill, 33 Yankee Hill. Uh, we've got a signed Mike Rozier jersey that we're going to give away today. Signed Mike Rozier. And that's what we'll say. Now, here's the deal, right? you got to come down, put your name in the box, and then you got to be here at 6 o'clock. Look, look. No purchase. Come in, put your name in the box, be here at 6 o'clock. Now, while you're here, you can watch the Phillies and Padres. You can hang out with uh, Nick's here, Jake's here. Uh, we'll have some other folks come down from the ticket. Just come hang out with us. You got a shot to do this. We'll be here till 6 o'clock. Lots going on here on Old School, 93.7 The Ticket.